like, what? Well, I'm wasting my life, you know. I'm, I'm working really hard and I love my work and I still do that work, but um, what am I actually really passionate about myself? What am I apart from my work? So um, that sense of what, what do I need to live for? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. This is Reignited, where together we will meet interesting people who have a curious message for the world. They'll tell us about their experiences so that we can all reignite our lives. Hi everyone, here we are at the pod booth and today we are talking everything nature. Um, I don't know about you, but when you get out in nature, you feel a lot better. So I've invited Bronwyn Painter from Flourish Nature Based OT to talk to us about why that's effective and some of the things that she gets up to for people's wellness. So welcome Bronwyn. Thanks, Phil. Uh, Before we get into that, I get everyone to choose some symbols to introduce themselves. So what have you chosen and why? Do I do one at a time? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I've got um, this symbol of two masks and, um, I mean, I probably picked out 15, so I've narrowed them down. But um, for me, this is about actually just dropping the mask and it's about being authentic and it's about me um, going through a process of being able to identify my intuition and really focus on what it is that I'm passionate about and what I believe in and do a whole lot of work around getting past caring as much about what other people think and just kind of finding who I am and what I believe in and sharing that message. And so we'll get into what you what you love to share and, and your passions later, but that real yeah. authenticity and and not being so concerned about what people think. Yeah. Yes. yeah. What else have you got and why? Um, this is a circle. And for me, this I mean, they're all aligned, I guess, obviously, because it's all about me. But um, for me, this is about being whole and complete. And um, this has been a really big part of, I guess, my experience this year, particularly where I've really learned to accept the parts of me that I previously kind of pushed away and didn't like about myself. Um, So I've been on this whole kind of experiential journey of understanding all of me and accepting that all of my emotion is okay and it's there for a reason and not um, just not pushing things away as much, just embracing them and letting them pass. Yeah, it's so important and that really aligns with me as a therapist mm. know, for people to feel all of the feelings mm. uh, because if they're not, um, then something else plays out for them. So, yeah. So that real sense of being whole and accepting every part of you. Yeah. 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 Um, and this is a little um, seedling shooting and this kind of aligns with my, you know, my business name is Flourish. Um And I love the word flourish. So I try and sort of have a word, you know, a word of the year. And so flourish was my word last year. And for me, it was about understanding what it is to flourish in life. So my life, but other people's lives. And so, um, you know, for me, this is also kind of about the seasons that sometimes you plant a seed and it doesn't always flourish immediately. And so Sometimes it takes time to see something to fruition and it's just kind of a reminder for me not to expect, you know, too much too soon and to be patient and, you know, it's kind of that also, you know, like there's many Australian native species that need exposure to bushfire or some extreme event to be able to actually flourish and so 
for me that, I don't know, I just kind of really like that analogy about you can go through some really hard stuff, but that's a season and then, you know, later that might grow into something. Yeah, the seasons and planting seeds and flourishing are all really nice metaphors to sort of um, take into life, aren't they? Mm, Yeah. 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 So let's talk about flourish nature-based OT. Mm -hmm. So you do a thing called forest bathing. Now, do you want to just describe what that is? Because I know lots of people sort of go bathing and go, (gasps) naked? No. Um, (laughs) And I probably confuse that message because I do share photos of me bathing outside in our outdoor bath at our property, (laughs) naked in the outdoors. Um, So forest bathing is, um, it's based on a Japanese wellbeing practice called Shinrin-yoku, which translates literally as forest bathing. And it's about bathing ourselves in the natural environment. So it's clothes on um, and it's um, it's a wellbeing practice that was deliberately um, developed and promoted through the Japanese government in the 1980s as an antidote to sort of that cultural habit or practice of working yourself to death. Um, and so it was, you know, it was really deliberately promoted as a public health intervention. And in Japan, they have forest medicine centres and they have this real focus on deliberately intentionally spending quiet time in nature because of all the benefits for our wellbeing. And so what I do is is based on that practice. Um, you know, it's not exactly the same. I'm, I'm not Japanese. It's not my cultural heritage, but, it, you know, it's certainly inspired by and based on that practice. Um, but I also want to say that it's there's nothing new about it. You know, as much as I say it was kind of deliberately developed in the 1980s, like, People have lived in nature forever. So it's a lot of it is about reminding ourselves of that. Yeah. And there is something I know for myself, you know, when I'm really busy and stressed, I just have to go outside sometimes Mm. to feel a lot better. So what are the benefits of being in nature? So there's lots of um, evidence and I've done lots of deep thinking about what actually even is evidence. Um, And that's been part of my kind of journey, I guess. But there's lots of, um, you know, empirical kind of quantitative scientific evidence about how nature supports our body and mind to function in lots of ways. So, um, you know, there's studies that look at even where people live. So using like global information systems and mapping, looking at sort of the level of greenness in, in suburbs where people live and then tracking that and correlating that to um, their health status. So non-communicable disease like cancer, diabetes, heart disease. Um, So, you know, there's evidence on that scale showing that the greener the area that you live in, the better health outcomes that you have. Um, There's evidence that shows how being in nature really calms down our sympathetic nervous system, so our fight, flight, freeze response. Um, And, you know, there's studies that have, done really quite focused measures of things like um, lowering your blood pressure, lowering um, cortisol levels in your bloodstream. So cortisol is a stress hormone. There's studies where they've had people walking around in nature, you know, with kind of electrodes on their head, measuring blood flow in the brain, showing that it reduces um, sort of cognitive function, like that whole thinking analytical part of our brain. It kind of quietens that down. Um, and that in turn can improve our concentration and memory. So, um, yeah, there's there's benefits in terms of overall health status, um, our stress response. There's lots of um, information about how spending time in nature improves mood, so 
reduces depression, reduces anxiety, reduces something called rumination, which is those kind of negative self-thoughts. Um, and can so as much as it sort of reduces those things that we probably don't want, at the same time it boosts um, it boosts things like creativity, concentration, attention, um, sense of vitality. Um, I know you came forest bathing yesterday yeah. and felt really tired. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it also, um, it, it has a spiritual component as well. So being in nature and actually really noticing where we are helps us connect with that sense that we're part of something bigger than us. Um, and there's also evidence that spending time in nature with other people actually facilitates social connection and we feel more connected and we feel safer. Um, so, you know, there's lots of evidence. And then there's also, for me, I guess for me, I needed to understand all that scientific evidence um, as a health professional to feel like it was a valid place to practice using nature. But then through through my, you know, kind of learning and experience, I've, I've really changed that and I've kind of um, I've accepted that there's enough evidence and now I'm really open to perhaps the things that we can't measure um, and sort of the magic of it and understanding that there's different ways of knowing and that, you know, there's intuition and there's all these senses beyond our five senses that um, I'm really open to things that perhaps in the past I would have been dismissive of or kind of gone, oh, where's the evidence? Where's the proof for that? So yeah. It's, it's actually really changed me and really opened me up to a wider perspective about how it works and why, you know, why it's good for us. Yeah, yeah. and and the thing of my experience yesterday was really about just being mm. and seeing what happens and being curious and mm. all of the things that I love about what I do were actually present in, in doing forest bathing as mm. well. So mm. one of those things was that sense of using all of your senses and slowing things down. Mm. Can you just talk us through why you would do that? Mm. It, it is that um, part of just being and the way that we can quieten down our thinking and our distraction is by, you know, what we call an embodied experience. So really tuning into what we're feeling in our body um, helps us just be where we are. And so the you know, I love doing that in nature because there's so much sensory input. Um, I've, you know, I've tried sort of dabbling in mindfulness practices and meditation before, and I'm a really busy person and I really struggle with kind of going, okay, now's my mindful time. Um, but, and, and being in nature is the only time I've actually been able to slow myself down. And I think it's because as you just go through those, you know, the five senses that we're all familiar with, this and focus on one at a time. There's so much input and it's about noticing, you know, say we're listening and there's, you know, there's almost always bird sounds um, and, you know, even the sound of like wind in the trees. There's some sensory input and then it's about really focusing on what that feels like in your body um, and it's different for everyone. You know, the same sensory experience feels different to us all because, We've all had different, you know, backgrounds, histories, experience with those sensory experiences before. So, yeah, it's that we always start with that process about um, really tuning in and connecting with where we are because it's different every 
day, every location. Yeah, yeah, and the thing that really struck me too about the experience was the fact that the nature was reflecting something about your life as well. I don't know whether other participants were, <laughs> were thinking that, but of course I'm very self-reflective. And the metaphors that sort of sit alongside what you see and experience. Um, was pretty spectacular. I love that. I absolutely love the metaphors. And the thing about metaphors is you can't um, impose them on other people. You have to see it for yourself. Um, I have a colleague who's a social worker who who I did my nature therapy training with, and she has um, her business is called Metaphorically Speaking. Um, and I have to hold myself back from sharing how I see things and what they mean for me because it's actually not relevant. Um, but I see so many metaphors in nature yeah. um, and, I mean, I do share them, you know, sometimes I kind of post things. Um, I've got these beautiful photos of, um, you know, the red like fairy tale toadstools um, in yeah. Kaipo, Kaipo Forest um, So the, that grow under the pine trees and I've got like some really beautiful photos of those pushing up through the pine needles and I love things like that. It's sort of like, you know, you can feel smothered but, you know, you can still find your way and push through and... Um, and I, I particularly like the metaphor of um, autumn and trees shedding things and that sometimes we need to shed what's no longer serving us to be able to have a quiet period and not just move from one thing to another but actually have a winter period where we're um, restoring our energy, finding new direction to then, you know, flourish in spring. So, yeah, I, I love all that stuff. Yeah, and and I sit with meta, metaphor and symbolism in my work mm. um, through the art. So it, it was really nice to see that nature provides the same thing where you can actually mm. reflect on your life. And What's your most yeah. favourite nature metaphor? Um, probably water at the moment. Um, and, and I like to say at the moment because everything changes and it should change for us all, all the time. Um, I... Um, so my husband and I um, have a property near Mount Compass and we have um, the Finnis River flowing through our property. So that has really deepened my relationship with water because previously it's been mostly the ocean and I love the ocean, um, but now we have this river that we spend a lot of time with and so it's been amazing over winter to watch the water, you know, flood down and change the landscape and um the power of the water and I really like the metaphor of the water cycle that water is everywhere we are predominantly water um and water has great energy and power but it also has great stillness and and capacity to connect and to hold things for us um and that it always finds a way it always finds a way so whether it's flowing whether it's sinking or whether it's evaporating, it's it's always moving to where it needs to be. Yeah. And so then that reflects life as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And some and and we're different at different times. At the moment I'm like flowing pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, at some time there'll be stillness again. Yeah. So can we just touch on the sanctuary, which is your property? Uh, what's the purpose in that and what do you do with with your patch? Yeah, so the sanctuary is is 83 acres of heritage-protected bushland um, and it's taken us a really long time to find our place and um, 
There's a real sense of purpose around it in terms of it being everyone's place. And I have a really strong view that no one owns nature. And I'm still struggling with how I talk about it because I I read something last week and I've decided not to call it our property because it, it implies ownership. Um, so now I'm just calling it land, our land. Um, but it's amazing. It's amazing because it's just, it's nature doing its thing. It's been unmanaged. It's protected. Um, it has this river and for us, um, to be honest, my husband and I kind of thought we need something for when the children leave home. Like what are we doing with our lives? And our children are, um, 22 and 20. And, um, so we've talked about having land and, been connected with land for a really long time, sort of 20 years. And so now that we have this, we've been really amazed at how much our children want to be part of it. Um, And so it's actually kind of become this whole family project and place. And we're there every weekend. And for us, um, I've really struggled with the kind of capitalist ownership thing. And I'm really uncomfortable with the privileged position that we have in being able to purchase the land. And so I've I've reconciled that by just I say all the time it's everyone's land and um I just the more I share it, the better it feels. So I I want people to visit. I tell everyone to visit. Um and we're holding events there to kind of gather community together and connect people. We have um, quite a big blackberry, um, I was going to say problem, but I shouldn't judge nature. We have a lot of blackberries <laughs> sharing our land. And, um, you know, so we, I'm a permaculturist and so there's a saying in permaculture, the problem is the solution. So we held a blackberry festival last February and we'll do that every year. So, you know, we can eat them and share them and enjoy them. So for us, the sanctuary is a sanctuary from our you know, urban existence and it's sanctuary for everyone and we just want to kind of build our connections and community and, um, you know, and share that with people. And And I run forest bathing there to, you know, to deeply connect people. Um, yeah, so it's, so it's, it's like that sense of nature being available for everyone and, yeah. and you um, displaying that in, in your land as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what's it like to escape the busyness of life to go to the sanctuary. It's so good. Like re- it has been epically life-changing. Um, so we've um, we've had it for a year and have spent, you know, almost every weekend there. And for me it's, um, it's been the place that I actually can rest and I've never, I've honestly never felt that. So my whole life I've had people telling me to slow down, you know, rest um and the sanctuary is the first place that I've felt that I I can be there and not have to do things um and it's because it's just it's just bushland so it it doesn't need doesn't need me to do anything and so I go there and I lie in the hammock and I just wander around I take photos of flowers um there's all these trees that I've come to know that like fallen trees that I really like to lie on a tree and just look at the clouds um or just sit at the river. And so I don't get much done there. Like my, my husband, you know, bless him, and our son Sam are building, you know, they're lining the shed so we can live there in a bit more comfort and they're doing all this stuff. And um, 
I'm constantly apologising, saying I'm really sorry I'm not helping, um, but what I need is to be still. So I think it's, I actually think it's changed me and um, I think I'm much better during the week. I feel like I'm a lot less emotionally reactive. I don't cry at work as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to describe. It's, yeah. ha- it's hard to put it into words. Um, yeah. So yeah. by having that space and stillness and nature and all of that has changed you as a person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I want I want other people to feel that. Yeah, 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 definitely. So let's talk about um, because you're in the wellness industry, obviously, as an occupational therapist as well, and obviously your message is about getting out in nature and experiencing it fully. Mm-hmm. What changed your view on that? Like, how did you get to this point? I was thinking. I was thinking how I was going to start this. Like, when did I've never not been connected to nature? Okay, so as a child, you know, I remember when I was really little, my brother and I had our own little patches in the garden that were allowed to plant anything. You know, my parents always grew food. Um, My dad was actually involved in establishing the Akarula Wilderness Sanctuary. And so, you know, I lived there for my first couple of years. Not that I obviously remember that, but, um, you know, mum was a science teacher. Dad was in sort of mineral exploration and fossil finding. And so my whole childhood was, um, you know, exposed to nature. I was um, a girl guide and we went camping and, you know, all those things. So um, there was never a time that I wasn't in nature. But I guess um, I also kind of became very, um, very focused, very kind of achievement oriented. Um, And I remember, you know, in year 12, when I was a teenager, we lived on the beachfront. And I remember mum dragging me outside and making me walk on the beach and saying, you've got to get outside. Because I would be quite happy just studying nonstop. Um, Really driven by anxiety, I guess, about wanting to succeed. And so, um, you know, that kind of stayed with me. And I think, I think, um, I don't know. I, at, I don't know that I was ever really disconnected from nature, but your sort of time use patterns change. And then, you know, when I started work and, you know, got married and had children and I mean, I believe children belong outside. So, um, <laughs> you know, my children were outside, but, um, then I, like I developed breast cancer when I was 28 and we had, um, so our children were two and eight months old and that whole experience just escalated my anxiety, not surprisingly, and kind of tipped me into the busyness thing worse than I ever had been. So Yeah, why was that? Because I, I know you've written a, written a recent post about that. Yeah. That sense of, was it about wanting to achieve more? Yeah. Because... I've faced a life-threatening situation. It was about, I absolutely felt like the cancer would return. So it's 20 years ago, um, but, you know, I had high-risk cancer and um, I I absolutely felt like it would come back and that I had limited time. And so it was very much about um, doing something to secure my family's financial future. Um, So I worked a lot. Um, At one point I had four part-time jobs. Like it was just nuts. Um, and also this sense of like my time might be limited. I mean, I really felt sure that it was. And so I want to, I want to do things all the time. You know, I, I'm, I've never ever been bored in my life. Like I have a million ideas and I want to do all these things. And so, and I, and all of a sudden I felt like I had less time. So I'm just like, well, let's crack on. <laughs> so 
Um, yeah, so the busyness and the also the sense of guilt. Um, what know, were you guilty for? Getting sick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just getting sick and causing all this stress and upheaval and unrest in everyone's lives and worry and, you know, um, obviously like, you know, I understand that's un- unreasonable and and no one, you know, it obviously imposed that on me. But um, especially I think as a mother, it's, you know, it's like my whole purpose was mothering my children at that point and... You know, and I couldn't do that because I was so sick. And so, yeah, there was guilt about a lot of things and I felt like I was trying to make up for things. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, when we experience something like guilt mm-hmm. um, because no matter how much the rational mind comes in mm-hmm. and we can say, you know, did you cause the cancer, you know, like all of these things, <laughs> but our emotions are our emotions mm-hmm. and it's actually hard to actually acknowledge that. Mm. No matter how much that you can rationalize it, you can't rationalize your way out of an emotional reaction. I think, no. and that's for me the thing about the wholeness and understanding that you feel things emotionally for a reason, and whatever the reason is valid because that's your experience. And so, it's just a whole lot better to accept the emotion and um, not judge it. And you know, for like really this has only come to me this year with some really great coaching that I've had um, and it's a really new thing for me to not say, I hate that I'm crying all the time or, you know, I shouldn't feel like this um, and to just go, I'm just going to let myself feel this. Um, yeah, and be in it and with it Yeah, so you can understand it and then you can move through it. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So, yeah, just like epically busy, busy, busy and then um, this could be a long story. Okay. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll jump forward. Like I just worked a lot. I just was a real workaholic perfectionist. And then, you know, a few things happened that brought me to a point of really reflecting on what on earth am I doing? Um, and they were that both of my parents had lung cancer at the same time and then um, passed away 14 months apart. So that was, you know, a really awful time. And then, but, you know, that wasn't enough for me to kind of go, hang on, like, how am I living my life here? Is this what I want to be doing? And then our youngest son, Sam, when he was in year 12, he um, he developed like really sudden onset liver failure. So he was what I thought was perfectly fine. And then one day I looked at him and his eyes were yellow and I was just like, oh, that's not very good. Like best hop off to the doctor and, um, you know, went straight from there to hospital. Um, and... That was a really, really scary time because it took almost three weeks for them to diagnose what was causing it and um, it got to a point where they were talking to us every day about the potential for a liver transplant and, um, you know, we we talked to Sam about what it was that he wanted to live for and he's, like, he's an amazing person. He's you know, he's here to teach me. Um, and anyway, it, you know, he is fine and he has an autoimmune liver disease that is managed. But um, through that process, it really took that for me to look at him and his passion for what he wanted to, you know, do. And uh, for me to kind of go, like, what well, I'm wasting my life, you know, I'm I'm working really hard and I love my work and I still do that work. But, um, 
what am I actually really passionate about myself? What am I apart from my work? So um, that sense of what what do I need to live for? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so how did you come up with where you got to? So I did a visualisation exercise with my coach around what would a perfect day look like and I had no idea and that upset me so much. Um, because it was like, oh, I'm so stuck in what I'm doing or? I just had no idea. I just couldn't, I couldn't connect with how, what a perfect day for me would look like. And eventually I kind of got there. And for me, and I remember this so vividly, it was about, um, you know, I want to be in my garden, growing vegetables, giving food away, connecting with people, um, with food, um, and being outside. And so then... I um, like I changed jobs because I wanted to work part-time and I went back to uni and did a graduate certificate in permaculture design, which is all about sustainable living, food growing, connecting people. And it's the first thing that I have probably ever done without knowing where it was heading. Um, and I just did it because I was really passionate about it and I thought I'm just going to immerse myself in this learning experience and just see what unfolds. And that was a completely different way of me tackling anything normally or not normally, like previously, I would have had to see the whole thing from beginning to end. What am I going to do with this? How am I going to get value out of this? Um, what will I create out of this? But So just sitting with it and allowing it to unfold for itself. Mm, that was really new. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's something that's really interesting and, and something that I love in the art therapy space is just being curious mm. and just seeing what happens and knowing that it's going to lead somewhere and some insight's going to come through. Mm. But that felt different to what you'd previously known. Yeah. And I think, you know, in terms of art therapy, it's about actually creating a process and a space for people to do that because um, I think we need permission and we need someone to hold that space for us. Um, yeah, and definitely. And actually my friend and I who went to um, your forest bathing yesterday said that at the end, we can sit in nature and we can do the processes, tap into our senses, but someone else guiding and holding the space was actually really, really invaluable because mm. it was like you're held not only by nature but mm. the group and it takes a life of its own and it's actually really special mm. and connected. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And I've had those experiences too. You know, I've been to yoga classes where I've been just in tears at the end because mm. it's like someone's held space for me to have whatever experience I need to. And um, I agree, that's the beauty of of being able to provide that opportunity. Um, and so then I also made a really conscious decision to connect with other people, different people to, um, meet different people. And I went to a public talk, um, by Marion Council about forest bathing, um, given by Alex Gort, who, um, is now one of my colleagues. And so I just was so inspired by this idea of forest bathing that I went and did, um, a training course with an American association and, it was a really transformative experience, like doing this immersive kind of 10-day experience where we did forest bathing every day and had that personal transformative experience. And, yeah, and then it's like a six-month program that's mentored and it's – I love it. I, I love the program and, um, you know, it. that was the beginning for me of – the first time that I felt like I could be really calm um, and just wanting, just, you know, realising that I could do this for other people as well. Yeah. So what do you love about it? 
I think I love how it feels for me. I think it's about knowing that it's something I can do that switches off my brain um, because I have trouble doing that, I have trouble switching off my brain and my mouth. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm sure everyone can sort of relate to that in some context. Um, yeah. yeah. And what I hear you saying is also that, you know, busy, 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 get on to the next thing, life is short, let's go. Um, and now you've discovered this thing that sits alongside that mm. that's actually really good for you. Mm. Mm. And it's, I mean, I don't, I don't really subscribe that much to the concept of balance. Like I don't like the term work-life balance because I think everything's life and if work isn't life, then what is it? Um, but yeah, I would agree with that too. Yeah. <laughs> I, and it, put, it feels like there's this pressure to have it all worked out mm, when in actual fact there's a flow of life that just happens. Yeah, and I think it's just energy, okay? So I kind of am in this space that it's all just energy and um, I can't, like I need something to restore my energy. So for me, this is that that's what it does for me. Um, mm. And not having to conquer nature, like I'm a bit of an exercise addict as well. So I've done lots of running. Um, and when we first had the sanctuary, you know, I've worked out all these little running routes and places where I can run. And I like that only lasted about a month. <laughs> and I love that. I it's love like, it. I'm just going to um, bathe under the stars yeah. in a bath. Thank yeah, you very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've mm. got this outdoor bath that we light a fire under and we, we bathe under the stars. It's amazing. And I've got a hammock. I mean, my family bought me a hammock 20 years ago and um, I just could not, I couldn't get into it. I mean, you know, I just, the only time we used it was when we went camping and now I've got this hammock. First thing that goes up when we get to sanctuary is a hammock and I have a sleep in it. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It seems so, it seems so simple, but I could never do it before I had like a deliberate process to access that feeling yeah mm. and and that's the thing I think sometimes we make things very complicated mm. and when it doesn't actually need to be but there's so much behind that simplicity yes that sits with it as well yeah yeah but sometimes there's so many barriers to make things that simple yeah yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> and that might be something to reflect on as well for everyone is is what are you doing and what's in the way? Yeah. Um, because sometimes we actually put the barriers there ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Often it's ourselves that are in the way. Yeah. Or our belief systems or our um, or our cultural, the, the sort of cultural context around, you know, in our Western culture we value productivity, working hard, earning money, owning things. Um, and if we kind of subscribe to that thinking, which is hard not to because all our social media is programmed around buy, 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 um, if we can step back from that and actually, you know, separate ourselves from that kind of this is how you prove yourself in this society, um, you know, that's really powerful, really powerful. Um, yeah. And share other ways of being. I just shared a post this morning. My husband and our neighbour are taking down our fence, you know, and because it's got white ants and um, and they're rebuilding the fence. Like we're going to use the corrugated iron to build a woodshed. They're rebuilding the fence with secondhand steel and secondhand, you know, sheets of iron to make it a different height. And it's like share those things, you know. Mm. They that's how we look after the planet and um, build community. Yeah, and so, community is something I think that we're we're really seeking at mm. the moment. Well, connection to ourselves, to nature, yeah. to to each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. So we could talk about wellness forever and it's such a broad field. 
what do you think your tips are for people who, you know, might be in that stress, chaotic, life's not working, I'm lost mm. sort of thing? What mm. would you, what are your top tips for people who may not be feeling that well yeah. and in flow? Yeah, I love the concept of flow. Um, <laughs> I think, um, you know, I think it really can help to create space in nature and it doesn't have to be a lot of time and um, it's it's about an intent and it's about noticing. And so there's a really simple practice that we call sit spot, which is literally just sitting in nature. And I started this in my front yard because I was like, I got no time to go anywhere. Um, so I put a chair in my front yard and, you know, five minutes, if you have to set an alarm on your phone, that's better than watching the clock. Um, but actually just sit and don't, you know, don't listen to music, don't read a book, just sit and notice, like literally just tune into what can you see, what can you hear, what can you smell, what can you feel? And it's, it, it creates that just quietening down of your, your brain. And, and what happens over time is if you can do that, you know, even for five minutes every day and, and extend it as it, as it feels good, not because you have to, but if you notice that that actually feels good, we'll then do it for longer. It's sort of that saying, you know, if you're really, um, if you're busy, meditate for an hour. If you're really busy, do it for two hours. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, so do it because it feels good, not because it's a task yes, that you have to do. Yes, yes. Um, and and then I think what happens over time is that people start to notice more in their everyday lives around nature. And so there's this thing called the nature pyramid. It's like the food pyramid. And so um, it's about what what nature connection can you have every day? Um, so, you know, what, what's the bottom of the food pyramid? I don't know, fruit and veg. Or maybe it's carbs. I, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> what is it that we need every day? And so for nature, how can we notice nature every day? And so even without changing our patterns of you know, what we're doing, it's what what can we notice? So if we're driving to work, can we actually notice the trees on the side of the road? Do we notice where they're up to in their seasons? You know, my son now, when we're driving, he'll comment, oh, those trees are flowering. It's like, oh, this is so good. Yeah. So what can you notice as you go about your everyday current existence? And then can you create a little bit of time um, where you're actually just sitting and deliberately noticing it? How can you make really small changes? How can you incorporate nature into your environment? So, you know, I said when we got here, like, this is really indoors. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But how can you incorporate colours of nature, textures of nature, um, even images? There's evidence that if you change the screensaver on your computer screen to a natural image, a photo of something in nature, even that helps. Um, And is it having things like fresh plants around as well? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? In in my workplace, we, um, we don't have living plants and we do have a couple but um you know you can even find evidence for having artificial plants um providing benefit you know it's almost like any kind of nature is better than no kind of nature um Mm. even virtual nature which is really not my thing views out of a window any kind of connection with nature and actually noticing it just helps it actually changes our brain function. So, yeah, what can you incorporate in what you're already doing without it feeling like another thing to do? Yeah, yeah it's great. It's a really good message, isn't it? And explains so much about why 
just being outside, mm-hmm. taking notice of things is so powerful for yeah. people. Pets, pets, you know, mm-hmm. like get a dog. You have to walk the dog. Um, yeah. We have chickens. <laughs> yeah. Chickens are great for sort of mindfulness. Just watch them. We have bees. Oh, here we go. Here's the bees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have bees in our backyard and um, often we will just sit and watch them come in and land and look at the colours of the pollen and it's a really kind of meditative process. Yeah, so yeah. really that taking notice and nature provides so much for us mm. as well. Mm. So what do you think it's given you? Um, <laughs> it's um, it's given me a new, oh, is it new? Nothing's new really. Um, it's It's reminded me that how important it is for me, but it's given me a new way of not having to do things in nature, but just be in nature. And it's given me, I've embraced it as part of my professional practice. And so I have this absolute passion in sharing the evidence and practices around using nature as an occupational therapist. And so I'm kind of on this whole journey of trying to share that with my profession. So I'm presenting at conferences. I've just started an online course for occupational therapists to incorporate nature into practice. Right. And I've got people internationally, like it's, you know, the technology, I'm, I'm not afraid to use the technology <laughs> because it's so easy to connect with people. So I've got people um, internationally who I've connected with now sharing ideas, sharing what they're doing, creating new things in nature. And so I've kind of, that's my kind of mission at the moment is to, share how good it is and how can we incorporate it into, you know, into the health system. I I mean, as much as I'm a health professional, I've never worked in the actual health system. Like I've always worked in employment and I've always worked with the well population. And so nature is for everyone. You know, you don't have to have a diagnosis or a problem. It's, it's for everyone. Yeah, definitely. So I'm sure people will be interested in forest bathing and everything mm-hmm. nature based on what you've sort of talked about. So how can people get in touch with you and experience it for themselves? Yeah. So um, my business is on Facebook. I don't have a website um, at the moment. And so it's called Flourish Nature Based OT. And I'm also part of a collaborative group um, that's kind of a social enterprise group as well called Nature and Wellbeing Australia. And so that's a group of um, people around Australia who are really passionate about working in, with and for nature. So there's also this whole reciprocal thing about, um, you know, we need to care for nature and care for the planet for many reasons, including that we need it for our health and well-being. So, you know, it's a reciprocal thing. We need to care for nature. It's not just about taking nature to yeah, care for us. That's a really good message, isn't yeah. it? You know, it's like everything, um, giving and taking and yeah. receiving and all of that stuff. Yeah. 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 So before we finish up, what's your final m- message like if you could have one message for mm-hmm. everyone what would it be it doesn't have to be difficult and i you know i just think that all nature is is helpful and any time in nature is better than no time so if there's any way that you can be in nature and notice it actually just notice where you are you know that's it's better than nothing um, yeah, and it, and it's epically powerful so be open to it yeah for sure <laughs> and i can certainly recommend that everyone goes and have does forest bathing um you know it was really great to experience that because as you said you know quite often people can't do uh, mindfulness or meditation Mm. but it's a different form and Mm. and encapsulates everything in Mm. our being so and i think that's the benefit of having a guided experience as Mm. you said it's like um you know you could do a yoga class watching a youtube clip but 
of course it's going to be better in a class with someone to guide that and and hold space. So it's the same with, you know, anyone can go to the park, as you said, but Mm -hmm. it's about um, it's it's different having a facilitated experience. So, yeah, yeah, I love doing that for people. So it's not only making it simple, getting out in nature, but also taking opportunities to be guided through it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So thank you for joining us today. It's brilliant to to hear so much that it's, you know, scientifically based mm. um, as well as what we all know, that it makes you just feel good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is good. So thank you for joining us. Beautiful. Thanks. Let's go outside. Yeah. <laughs> for show notes and more information about my guests and to get in touch with me, visit igniteartherapies.com.au.